Welcome to the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church Podcast, where we listen, learn, and love together. Our speaker today is Pastor Jonathan Panado. Daniel 11 is introduced by Daniel chapter 10. Daniel is fasting for three weeks. Gabriel appears to him. Jesus also appears to Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel is made aware of the spiritual forces at work in the world. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 14. Do you want to read it there? Now I will come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. For the vision concerns a time yet to come. Now remember what we said about God's people, uh, who they refer to, right? Before the cross, when it says God's people, it refers to who? Yeah, Israel, the literal local nation of Israel. After the crucifixion, it refers to God's people. Someone asked a question here um, about number four, about you know, God's people, uh, Israel being God's people, and then the church being God's people. And uh, so the question was brought up in our last sermon together, and the observation was made that when we say that Israel was the chosen nation of God, it, it gives the impression that non-Jews were excluded from being part of God's people and from experiencing salvation. That was a, that, that was, it, it sounds like it's exclusive when you say, well, just Israel was God's people. Um, does that mean everyone else uh, did not have access to salvation and, and to being part of God's people in the Old Testament? And so I want you to consider the following passages of Scripture uh, which speak of an inclusive theology in the Old Testament. And uh, these biblical passages are actually very important for understanding prophecy. So here's the first passage of Scripture. The promise that God gave to Abraham, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3. Notice what it says. How many families? All All families on earth will be blessed through you. And that concept is not just Jewish families. All families will be blessed through what God was going to do through Abraham, through the children of Israel. Inclusive theology. Here's another promise that was very similar given um, when uh, Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac afterwards. It says, God says, through your offspring. How many nations? All nations on earth will be blessed. Again, inclusive theology. And in fact, that word there used for nations is the term that is consistently used in the Old Testament for everyone else other than, other than Jews. In other words, in the Old Testament, there were the Jews, and then there were the, the goyim, there was the nations, everyone else. And so God here is clearly saying all nations will be blessed through you, inclusive theology. Um, in, in fact, uh, we have examples in the Old Testament of non-Jews becoming part of God's family. For example, we have someone um, in the Old Testament by the name of Rahab, she was a Canaanite, and she helped God's people as they were entering in through, through Jericho, and she became part of God's people. We also have another individual whom a book in the Bible is named after, Ruth, who was a Moabitess, but yet she um, became part of God's people and was able to experience salvation. Consider these other passages that we have in Scripture here. Psalm 87, verse 4, I will record Egypt in Babylon among those who acknowledge me, Philistia too, and Tyre along with Cush, and will say, this one was born in Zion. Do you see that inclusive, inclusive theology? Now, for example, if I am born in the United States of America, I am naturally a United States citizen because I'm born here. And, and that's kind of similar to what God is saying. Egyptians and Babylonians, enemies of God's people, Philistia, Tyre, Cush, I will say they were born in Zion. They are part of the people of God, inclusive theology. 
Here's, here's another one, Isaiah chapter 19. This is beautiful here. In that day, five cities in Egypt will speak the language of Canaan, and they will swear allegiance to the Lord Almighty. In that day, there will be an altar to the Lord in the heart of Egypt and a monument to the Lord at its borders. It will be a sign and witness to the Lord Almighty in the land of Egypt. They will worship with sacrifices and grain offerings. They will make vows to the Lord and they will keep them. In that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrians will go to Egypt and the Egyptians to Assyria, and the Egyptians and the Assyrians will worship together. In that day, Israel will be the third, along with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing on the earth, a promise that God gave to Abraham. Not just Israel will be a blessing, but Egypt will be a blessing. Assyria will be a blessing. The Lord Almighty will bless them, saying, blessed be Egypt my people Assyria my handiwork and Israel my inheritance do you see that inclusive theology in the Old Testament here's the last one um, which is also really powerful for this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant to them I will give within my temple and in its walls a memorial and a name that will endure forever now, just stop there because in the Old Testament, eunuchs were not allowed to enter into the sanctuary. Did you know that? In fact, if there was any kind of deformity among the Levites in that area, they were not allowed to serve in the temple. But here God is saying to the ones who were excluded, no, and if they keep my Sabbaths and they hold fast to my covenant, I will give them within my temple. They can come in the temple, they can worship, and I will make a memorial for them and a name that will endure forever. And the foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him. Again, in the Old Testament, foreigners could not minister in the temple. But here God is saying the eunuchs, the foreigners, if they minister, they will minister to him to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and, hold, and who hold fast to my covenant. And I find fascinating here the connection between the Sabbath and the covenant here in this passage, the, the close connection that there is there. Those who keep the Sabbath and hold to my covenant, these will I bring to my holy mountain. And I will give them joy in my house of prayer. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Not just for Jews, not just for Israelites, for all nations. And so what we have here in the Old Testament is an inclusive theology. Clearly, it was God's intent for everyone to become his people. But what happened was that Israel became an exclusive religious country club. Have you ever been to one of those churches where it's an exclusive religious country club? Until finally, at the end of the 70 weeks, God says, enough. I will work through whomever is willing. And then he says, Paul, go to the Gentiles, go to the nations, have them become the bearers of good news, since Israel is unwilling. Here is where the New Testament makes a shift regarding the definition and the identity of who God's people are. Before the cross, God's people were the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. That's whom he was working through. After the cross, the definition changes. And so here's some few, a few verses for you to consider. Romans chapter 9, verse 6 in the New Testament. Not all who are descended from Israel are... Israel, hmm, 
Here's another one, I think, from Galatians. In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. There is neither now Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. After the cross, after the 70 weeks, we're all one. All those distinctions that separate us are done away in Jesus. And he says, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. Here's another one, Ephesians 3, 6. Through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Members together of one body, sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. And in fact, in, in, in the epistles, Paul even starts using terms that were once applied to the Jews only. He starts applying those terms to the Gentiles and to the Christian church in general. Here's one. To the church of God in Corinth. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be his holy people. The Corinthians were Greeks. They weren't Jews. But they were called to be his holy people together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus. Notice this other usage here in James. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. James was not writing to the 12 tribes of Israel, but he's using this terminology that was once in the Old Testament applied to Israel. He's now applying it to the church who was scattered to the Christian church. And then finally, Peter takes this passage from the Old Testament. This passage is from Exodus 19, where God is confirming the covenant with Israel. And and, and, and he quotes it word for word. And in the Old Testament in Exodus, it was applied specifically to Israel. Now Peter is applying that to the Gentiles, to the rest, to all believers. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. After the 70 weeks, God's people are no longer a literal, specific, geographic nation but a global family of believers. God's people live everywhere now. They are no longer confined to a certain region of the world. God's people are composed of every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. And this shift in the definition of who God's people are is very important to keep in mind when we're dealing with Bible prophecy. This podcast is brought to you by the Jacksonville First Seventh-day Adventist Church. Connect with them at www.jaxsda.org or on Facebook and YouTube. We look forward to sharing more inspiring messages with you.